Hello, everyone, and welcome to the False Nines. We are back for another season. This is the 91st episode of the bi-weekly footballing discussion, soon to not be bi-weekly, as we'll go over in just a little bit. I am your host, back for my... I was thinking about this, Adam. I think this is technically the fifth Premier League season in a row that the False Nines will be running in some capacity. So back for my fifth season with my loyal co-host, Adam Goff. And Adam, how are you doing today? Footy, Zach. Honored to be here for season number five, Footy. Yes, series five. Is that what they call it in England, right? Each season of a TV show is a new series. Yeah, it's the opposite of what you think it is here. It's like a five pence piece and a 10 pence piece or um, a quarter and a dime here. I, I have no response. I barely know what you just said. Um, so so, when, so on, let me give some context. When I first moved to the United States, it was very, very confusing to me because a five pence piece is a small coin that is the same size as a dime in the UK. Okay. And then a 10 pence piece is the same size as a quarter. So I really wanted your dime to be worth five cents and really wanted your quarter to be worth 10 cents, but they weren't. It's the opposite. So the quarter is actually worth more. The larger coin is worth more, and the smaller coin is worth less. Is it? Wait, didn't you say that's what it is in England? Five cents, five pence is dime. Uh, the five pence is the smaller one. Actually, you're right. So they're the same in terms of like the scale and how they go up, but the numbers yeah, are completely but the value. The value is not yeah. the same. I say exactly. okay, exactly. That, yeah, that must have been very difficult when you were paying in coin for for items. It was, and and we have one pound and two pound coins in the United Kingdom as well. So yes. no such no such concept as that here. Although I do think there is a dollar coin, which you get yes. like out of like you get those out of like random vending like machines. vending machines too. exactly. Yeah. There's a vending yeah. machine in my apartment building, and the yeah, whenever I pay in cash, I then acquire like numerous dollar coins, which are not as useful as you'd want them to be. Um, and uh, and people don't like to carry change over here. I think that's the big difference, right? That is true. It costs yeah. more for the U.S. Mint to make pennies than the amount of pennies in circulation, which is yeah. wild. Exactly. So so welcome to another edition of the Royal Mint Podcast. The uh, Royal Mint Podcast. Yes. <laughs> we finally, <laughs> after 91 episodes, have achieved the goal. All right. Let's let's get into some football. We uh, we, we could be boring people away from the uh, from Series 5 even before we we talk about happenings in in Europe. So Adam and I took a, a fairly lengthy summer break as for the first time in a very long time, there were no major uh, men's tournaments that took place. I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, female, the 2022 Women's Euros that just finished. It came home, Adam, for the first time since 1966. An English football team has won a major title uh, a pretty thrilling final between England and Germany. England coasted through that tournament, but there were there were periods in that final when I I thought that Germany was the better team and was going to nip it. Yeah, I watched the highlights of it, and it looked that way too. Yeah, I think they had some of the better chances, especially in in the first half there. But I, I saw a great tweet today that said something along the lines of England men for the last sixty years, it's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home. England's women, two thousand twenty-two. Tired of hearing about it. Just bring it home already. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, let's let's be done with the formalities. Um, yeah, a, a really a really exciting game. The winner by uh, Chloe Kelly uh, getting it in the 110th minute, so went to went to extra time. It was it was pretty 
phenomenal to watch. Um, and never, he, never, never mind that goal. The goal of the game was the one from the lady called Toon. The Toon that Army. That is true. What yes. a goal that was from start to finish. Ball over the top. Beautiful catching her like right on the offside trap and then getting in behind and a beautiful chip over the goalkeeper that any footballer, male or female, would have been proud of that finish. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. Uh, also, I believe the largest uh, crowd ever for a match at Wembley of any yeah. of any any gendered team on the field. It was uh, reported. Uh, Noah told me this. My roommate, who is uh, an English American dual citizen and a big fan of the, the English national team, he told me that the reported attendance was a hundred people more than the number of seats at Wembley, which is is quite exciting. That's interesting. I, I have no idea. Like, I was going to ask you what, how it would be more, because you assume that like the Euro final that took place with England and um, England and Italy, that would have like at least the same attendance as this one would have had. How, where do they pull those hundred seats from? I have no idea. It's it's a mystery to us all. But uh, yeah, it was a thrilling, thrilling final. Really exciting and uh, really excited. This exciting to see you know sellout match after sellout match throughout the tournament. It was a really cool example of the the growing power and uh, and uh, I'd say optics around uh, women's football, both in Europe and around the world. Obviously, us here in America are pretty large fans of uh, the female game with the you know the dominance that the u.s team has had in in recent years so it's it's cool that it came home and who knows maybe u.s england world cup final uh, in a few years that'd be something wouldn't it that'd be a tasty one yeah i'm, I'm down for that for sure um i want to give a quick shout out to friend of the pot elijah who i don't know if you saw this but his cousin was actually at the semi-final and the final game so he was there one of the eighty-seven thousand at wembley witnessing that and he actually got to meet eddie howe outside the stadium which is pretty cool that's pretty wild yeah yeah that's, that's yeah. excellent what what a what a what a lovely run in at what must have been one of the most exciting sporting events of, of his young life exactly exactly yep so um shout out to elijah hope you're doing well my friend new uh move to uh, i believe tucson is happening right now with his lovely Ooh, wife so, I didn't so know yeah that. yeah all, all all my friends are getting hitched it's great that is that is wild. That is wild. All right. So format for the pod today. Obviously, no Premier League games have occurred just quite yet. The first of which coming this week on the fifth of August. We're going to recap the Community Shield match, which happened this past uh, weekend. Uh, we will also then go into a quick run through of every Premier League club's transfer window. Uh, talking about the uh, incoming players, the outgoing players, and then giving a quick grade in our opinions on the business that was done by that respective club. So we have we have 20 clubs to go there, so we'll, we'll run through it kind of a, as efficiently as we can. After our commercial break, we will do a, a traditional segment we do at the beginning of every year, which is our preseason predictions. We'll be running through a few categories of our choosing, keeping those answers on for the end of the season when we can look back and see how right and how wrong each of us were for each of those categories. I uh, might be joined by my roommate Noah for uh, the preseason predictions and also for a quick word on Bristol City, his championship club um, that you might remember he was on about for an episode last season. And then finally, 10 and 90, as always, to close out the episode. Sounds good. You're looking forward to it. And just a quick recap for a quick reminder, I should say, for our listeners. The transfer window is not closed yet. Today we're recording is August the 1st. For, I think, the first time in a long time, the transfer window will actually go through the end of August, 
we're starting the season early because of the World Cup in November and December. So we actually still have when the Premier League kicks off this Friday on the 5th, we will still have another 26 days for potential transfers, which is an interesting layer that we have not seen for a long, long time. That is true. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see uh, see which clubs make you know knee-jerk buys based on their performance in, in the first uh, game week. That's kind of always, always what happens. Everton. So. Everton. Um, Everton actually, rumor has it they're they're securing a pretty exciting transfer as we speak, and we'll we'll talk about that when we go into their section. Anyway, Community Shield recap: the game on Saturday morning, Liverpool against Manchester City, the winner of the FA Cup versus the winner of the Premier League facing off in a preseason Titanic match. It was Liverpool coming out victorious three. 2-1 in this match. An exciting one, as you'd expect, between these two clubs, two of the most offensively talented clubs in Premier League history, I would say, despite uh, quite a bit of movement up top occurring for both of them in the summer transfer window. Uh, both Darwin Nunez and Erling Holland, the two new boys uh, up at the number nine position for each club, both starting in this match. And you could say, Adam, kind of different performances uh, for Nunez and Holland in this one. Yeah, um, so Holland started the full match. Nunez actually came off the bench um, later That's in right. the game. Sorry, but, excuse but, um, me. Firmino, Firmino started up top. The old guard started up top, but both men uh, making an appearance. But to your point, massive summer signings, right? And I think a lot of the focus in the pregame was just on, you know, these are the new number nines at each respective club. These are the new, um, the new, the new teams to really kind of lead them into the future, if you will. Um, we haven't really had a number nine at Manchester City in many years, really since Sergio Aguero. So Holland, a lot of pressure on him, supposedly the heir to the throne in terms of Lionel Messi with his career coming to an end. And then Darwin Nunez, who's really kind of burst through onto the scene at Benfica over the last few seasons. So um, it was a really entertaining game, I thought. Um, early in the first half, we had Trent Alexander-Arnold who opened the scoring for, um, for Liverpool. And then as we progressed into the second half, we actually had an equalizer from, uh, I think it was Alvarez, got a goal on his debut, went to VAR, uh, Topo passed. Um, it was actually Adrian in goal. Allison was out with an injury in this game. And then that's when the game really got interesting. Darwin Nunez entered the game on a penalty for Liverpool, which Mo Salah duly dispatched. Um, a really great chance was then missed by Erling Haaland in this game where it was probably easier to score than it was to miss. Um, kind of snatched a foot at it, hit the top of the crossbar from inside the six-yard box. Certainly an interesting interesting way to, to take that ball on. I think he just had a little bit of rush of blood to the head there. But right after that, Darwin Nunez in injury time pops up and then scores the winner via his head and puts it past a hapless goalkeeper. So Liverpool... I think on, on, on paper and on looking statistically at the game, Manchester City probably just edged it. But the main difference here was Liverpool took their chances and Manchester City did not. And especially their big number nine, Erling Holland, did not. So what were your thoughts overall on, on the game here, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it offered kind of, as I said, what you'd expect and what you'd want out of the match. Uh, not their team holding back and even remotely playing defensive style football. Uh, Nunez, I, I was really glad that Nunez came on because he, I, I think in a way of the two summer signings that we've talked about, he has almost been the more heavily scrutinized. And I think the reason for that is 
that he's coming in with a, a lot kind of lower of a reputation than Holland. You know, Holland very much proved himself in the Bundesliga. There's no question at this point in time, you know, is Erling Holland an elite goal scorer? Is he an elite forward? The question is more just how long will it take him to adjust to the Premier League, to Manchester City? But I don't think there are very many people who you know doubt that he will be able to do so. Nunes, there are a lot more questions coming from the Portuguese league, which you know I think in recent years has kind of reestablished itself as a, a top league in Europe, but still not necessarily regarded at that level. And uh, I would say. 12 months ago, a lot of people did not know the name Darwin Nunez. It, it really was mm -hmm. his performance in the Portuguese League, especially against Liverpool and other teams in the Champions League, that kind of put him on the map. So I think there was a lot more pressure on him. Uh, and then adding to that, the fact that Liverpool didn't win the title last season, right? Like that is a huge part of this, um, that they are now trying to put the pieces together to win themselves uh, a Premier League. So uh, a little bit more scrutiny on him. It was a really nice goal that he scored with his head. And Holland, as you said, didn't have his best game. Uh, but I think it's an exciting one. I think both teams are, are still fairly neck and neck going into the season. Uh, definitely a big boost for Liverpool psychologically. And knowing that, you know, that before the first match of the Premier League, they can say to themselves, we absolutely can beat Manchester City. Um, mm -hmm. So a, a lot of season to go, but uh, a big win for, for the Merseyside club. Yeah, they seem to have had Manchester City's number in the Cups over the last few seasons and then have really kind of fallen a little bit short in the league. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of goes forward. Something you said um, kind of piqued my, piqued my interest there with Erling Haaland. Do you think it's a matter of when he comes good versus if he comes good? I have two words for you, Zach. Romelu Lukaku. Um, are we confident that this player that has obviously done it in the other leagues he's played in, as did Lukaku, and probably will again for, for Inter Milan, came into the Premier League and fell a little bit flat there? Do you think Erling Haaland can be kept quiet in the Premier League this season? No, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I think that he is a better striker than Romelu Lukaku. Like, I think already at his point in his career, he is, you know, a top three striker in the world. It's maybe him, Benzema, Lewandowski. I'm not really sure who, in terms of, in terms of like, you know, starting strikers. Like, we're not talking Salah. We're not talking about uh, Son. Um, I'd say, like, right now, Kane is also up there as well. He would be probably the fourth I'd put in that category. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's it's a question of if. I, I think that Manchester City and Pep Guardiola has proven that they can really change up their style of play to fit the pieces they have on the field. Whereas Lukaku was coming back to the Premier League. He was coming to play for a manager in Tuchel who is known for a very rigid, a very kind of set style that doesn't typically you know have a lot of flexibility to it so i you know i i can eat my words if, if it doesn't happen but i don't think erling holland will have trouble in the Premier league once he he kind of gets off it yeah i tend i tend to agree with you and, and to be honest I, I asked merely to see where your head was at on it i i, I agree as well nunez um 85 million transfer uh, Holland 51 million transfer so I think that's another layer to it where in terms of the investment that Liverpool spent on him obviously Erling Holland was because of the release clause I'm sure if there had been no release clause they would have been commanding a much much higher fee for a player of his caliber so um, I think it'll be interesting though um, call, calling it right now what would you say and by the end of the season who finishes higher in the scoring charts Nunez or Holland? Ooh. 
That's an interesting question. I think Holland has more goals than Darwin Nunez this year, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a huge gap. I'm not sure what I I'll have to think about what I think they'll each end with, but I do think Holland will will score more. I think that's correct as well, but I think the main reason for that is I think that Nunez will be rotated more frequently than Holland. Will. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, they yeah Liverpool does have a little more depth in that position. Yeah, so uh, I think just to wrap up our thoughts on the Community Shield, first time seeing a Sadio Mane-less Liverpool, and um, you know they they overcame very well. I thought they played played well. No Jota, no Allison, as we mentioned, no problem. Uh, we're able to take home the trophy, and obviously great to see a Sadio Mane fresh off signing a new contract, coming in, getting his goal from the penalty spot. Obviously, seemed to have a little bit more um, relaxation Mah- about his Mahamed play. Salah. Sorry, Mohamed Salah. Salah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, we're mm-hmm. we're rusty guys. We've taken a couple months off here, but Sal- Salah was yeah. Salah was a um, was it was a great great game for him. I thought he kind of looked like he was just playing with a little bit more of a new lease of life. And whereas the tail end of last season, you could tell he could get the weight of the contract on his mind. So yeah, absolutely. Salah is as dangerous as always. Kind of got that hockey assist for his own penalty goal uh, with the cross to to Nunez that was handled by. Manchester City defender. So an exciting game. And yeah, we'll we'll see what each team puts out in their first match week. So Adam, transfers in and outs. We have a lot to talk about here. I think we should run down the list alphabetically because frankly, there, there are no standings yet. So there's not really another way to do it. Um, so what I'm thinking here is we can will I know we've each written our, our grade, our, our letter grade in, in school style here. Uh, we'll we'll name the uh, incoming outgoing transfers, each give a grade, give a quick line of reasoning for that grade, uh, and then hopefully you know be in somewhat agreement and, and can move on. But if there is some significant disagreement, obviously we'll dig into that. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. Right. Sounds good. All right. All right. You want me to kick us off here? Sure. Yeah, go for it. All right, let's start alphabetically then with Arsenal. Um, some big signings incoming for Arsenal this summer. The Cronkies have put their hand in their pocket. Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City for $45 million. Marquinhos from Sao Paulo, um, no transfer fee disclosed there. Fabio Vieira, um, no relation to Patrick, but another Vieira at Arsenal, coming in from Porto for $34 million. And then Zinchenko from Manchester City, for 32 million. So well over a hundred million spent on incoming transfers for Arsenal. And then on their way out from the Emirates, Matteo Genduzzi to Marseille, he'd been on loan there last season. So formality there, um, going to Ligue 1. And then uh, Lacazette to Lyon on a free returning to that club as well. So both returning to former clubs there, Genduzzi and Lacazette. So I'll start with my, my grade for Arsenal. I gave them a B plus. Um, I do like the signing of Jesus. I think he fits into that system very well. I do still think they're a little light up top. If they get an injury to Jesus, they're really looking at Martinelli and, and Kedia as their two main strikers. And I think there's, while they're talented players, I think there's a little bit of a lack of experience there. And I wanted to highlight there also with uh, Zinchenko coming in, what's next for your boy Tierney? I know you're a huge fan of his. Where do we think he might be playing his trade if not at Arsenal, if he can't get regular starts in the team? Yeah, I, I definitely think he will stay at Arsenal. Like a year ago, before he had pretty uh, extensive injuries last season, people were saying, you know, he is the next, the next Arsenal captain for for years to come. So I, I do think it'll be an interesting competition. I think Zinchenko will have that spot to begin the season because Tierney 
is coming off that injury. And I'm not sure if he is entirely fit just quite yet. I think what Zinchenko also offers you is the ability to put him into midfield, that Philip Lom type player who can play uh, at side back and also play in the center of midfield. So I think that was a big reason that Arsenal wanted to bring in Zinchenko is that a lot of questions have been asked of their center midfield in, in recent years of, of Xhaka and the inconsistent performances he's put up uh, and essentially just whoever he's getting paired with on a week by week basis. Um, I uh, will, I guess, a pretty, pretty similar grade. I'll give them an A minus. I did think it was, you know, a lot of good moves. I agree that an injury or a lack of form from Jesus or any of their attacking players does make you ask questions. Jesus already uh, scoring in bunches in the preseason. So he's off to a pretty fast start coming off a hat trick in their most recent match, but a minus for Arsenal. Um, I think they made a lot of smart moves. I also uh, have a soft place in my heart for Fabio Vieira because a lot of people have told me that he is my professional football doppelganger. And for the first time in a long time, I don't fully disagree. So uh, I am pro Vieira and pro Arsenal by association. Harry Potter starting for Arsenal this that's season. That's it. That's what we want to hear. Uh, but yeah, Arsenal did a lot of good business and will certainly be looking to break back into the Champions League. Yep, I think so too. Good stuff. Okay, going down the list, Aston Villa is our next club, um, just like Arsenal. A lot of movement in the summer. Uh, interestingly for Villa, a lot of this uh, work being done at the beginning of the summer. Villa was one of the most active clubs in uh, you know, right when the window opened and, and probably even before that, uh, incoming transfers, Diego Carlos, uh, from Sevilla for 26 million pounds, Felipe Coutinho on a permanent deal from Barcelona, uh, Babacu, Babacar Kamara from Marseille on a free deal. Um, that was a really good piece of business getting him on a free, uh, a player that I think Newcastle was very brief, briefly linked with. Uh, and then outgoing Matty Target going to Newcastle, Trezeguet going to Trabant, Trabzonsor. That's always been a tough team to say the name of. And then finally, Wesley going to Levante on a loan. Uh, Adam, I, I'm going to stay with uh, with a trend here. I give Aston Villa an A- minus as well. I think they did a lot of good business this summer, uh, filled spots of need. Um, Carlos pr- providing European experience at center back. Uh, Philippe Coutinho, we know his pedigree, and uh, Kamara is a really highly touted uh, younger player coming from Ligue 1, one of those kind of midfield dis- destroyer type players, and, and that Joe Ellington mold as any CDM has to now be considered in the modern day. So it's an A- minus for me. I think they, they did a lot of good work. Yeah, I actually gave them an A minus too. I think there's solid upgrades that they've got in various different positions where they needed to strengthen. I think the only thing stopping me from giving them slightly higher grade is that I still worry about their ability to score goals at times. I do think they're a little bit light up top, akin to Arsenal as well. Um, but I think Watkins is you know, coming on as seasons progress. I think he's getting more and more form there. Um, but I think they're probably. They're probably a good quality striker signing away from somewhat of a perfect window for me here, Villa. So I give them an A minus. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think they're at a point where they have to trust their depth. They have to trust Ings and uh, Watkins, and it. Yeah, it, the the proven the proven I guess goal scoring in the last year might not necessarily be there, but they have the guys that they're like, you know what, we're we're riding with you, so. We'll see what yeah. happens. But yeah, I think Villa Villa definitely has top half aspirations going into this year. Yeah, I think they, they have to with that that investment, right? I think they've definitely backed Jared since he's come in. 
All right, let's pivot over to Bournemouth then, one of the new boys in the Premier League this season, returning to the Premier League at the first time of asking. They've been pretty quiet. Um, actually, today they made their second signing of the window. Ryan Fredericks was their first. He came in on a free from West Ham, and they got Marcus Tavernier, um, brother of James, who played for Newcastle and now for Rangers for, for many years, came in for Middlesbrough for $10 million and no outgoings there at Bournemouth. I gave Bournemouth a D for their grade. Um, I was pretty harsh on them here. I think they needed to strengthen and they still do need to, so there's time left to do it. thought they were really light on new faces coming in. And when you compare them to two other teams that we'll talk about here, Fulham and Forest, I think there's been a little bit more ambition shown at both of those clubs. So I, I certainly could see Bournemouth struggling this season if this is the extent of the business that they do during the summer. Hence, I gave them a D. Yeah, to, to be honest, I, I don't know a lot about Bournemouth, uh, the, the current makeup of their squad. I do know that they're managed by Scotty Parker, uh, Newcastle and Premier League legend. Um, but yeah, I give them a C. I probably would have been lower if I did a bit more research and, and saw them light in a few areas. But I agree with you. Like in, in the modern Premier League, especially with the cash influx that you get for getting promoted, you've got to be expecting that teams are going to are gonna spend some money and really strengthen. And the fact that they have spent just around 10 million pounds at this point in time is a little unsettling um, to assume that they'll be able to kind of hang with the, the big dogs, if you will, without a lot of new faces. So it will be tough. And uh, for that reason to see for me. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, I will say that obviously Bournemouth have been my second favorite team for a while, continue to be so. Three Welsh players there, Chris Mepham, David Brooks just recovered from cancer. So shout out to David Brooks. Um, fell for him last season, missed a large part of the season. And of course, Kiefer Moore. That is true. Of future, course. Ballon, future Ballon d'Or winner. There is a there is a flag for a reason. <laughs> yeah, Keeper Moore <laughs> will be ho hoisting the trophy one day. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what Bournemouth can do. Uh, but yeah, it'll be certainly an uphill climb as it is for any newly promoted club. All right, Adam Brentford, next club down, kind of the darling of the Premier League last season and their first year in the Premier League, and I believe it was sixty-seven seasons uh, and performing so well. Um, Thomas Frank, their, their Danish manager, getting a number of votes for manager of the season. Uh, and they have had a somewhat active transfer window. Uh, incoming Aaron Hickey from Bologna, the young Scottish uh, defender, is that right? Um, yeah, left back. Yeah, left back. Yeah, applying mm -hmm. his trade in Italy. Keen Lewis Potter from Hull. This is a player I actually know a lot about as uh, as you might remember, Adam, my friend Sam, a diehard Hull City fan. So he was... He was very sad to see KLP uh, leave this summer. Um, and then finally, Ben Mee on a free from Burnley. So Ben Mee staying in the Premier League uh, instead of going back down to the championship. Outgoing Christian Eriksen to Man United. That was obviously a huge focus of Brentford. Summer was trying to get Eriksen on a permanent deal after the impact he had last year. Unfortunately, unable to do so. Uh, and for all of those reasons, Adam, I'm going to give Brentford a B. Plus, I think that Christian Eriksen is a big loss. That's not to be denied. However, I really, really trust what um, Frank is building there. I think that they are in a very solid place. Do I think that losing Eriksen is going to make a pretty big difference? Absolutely. But I, I've heard a lot of positive things about Lewis Potter. I've heard a lot of positive things about Aaron Hickey. And yeah, I, I just think that they're a well-built team and, and one that can continue to compete in the Premier League. So for that reason, I'll give them a B plus.
Yep, that's actually the exact same grade I gave them and very similar reasoning to, I think, some exciting young signings that he's bringing in there. I think they haven't replaced the creativity of Ericsson. That's when their form really picked up was when he came in second half of the season. But I did see a link today in the press being reported that it's quite far along in conversations with Mikkel Damsgaard. Um, I was going to mention that, million. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think that would be a, a yeah, and you could see that being a very realistic signing given obviously the Danish contingent, strong Danish contingent at Brentford, Ericsson having been there very recently as well. What a signing that would be for 15 million. Christ, I take him at the tune in a heart, heartbeat for that for that amount. So um, I think if that comes off, they probably kind of move up their grade a little bit, but um, strengthening with young players that you know are really exciting talents um and known players as well getting ben me on a free is a great bit of business there um obviously there, there are other players that left burnley for pretty extensive transfer fees so getting him for free i think is a great bit of business too so b plus for me as well all right Absolutely. um on to brighton not too much activity to report here they brought in a striker julio and Ciso from libertad asuncion paraguayan striker here Interesting that that's the area of the field that they chose to strengthen. Obviously, some competition for Neil Mope, Trossard, etc. up top. And then a big loss for them here, I think. Um, but again, the Brighton blueprint that Dan Ashworth did so well, finding these, kind of unearthing these gems and then selling them on for a substantial profit. Eve Basuma to Spurs for $35 million. Um, I give them a B here. I think they, they sold an incredible midfielder here, and they haven't really replaced him but they sold Dan Byrne during the last transfer window and didn't replace him either and had enough depth in the squad to cover that. So who am I to doubt Brighton? Um, they'll probably prove us all wrong again, but it, in theory, they probably are, need to bring in another midfielder. Um, assume is a big loss for them, I think. Yeah, it's a C for me for that reason. Uh, it's, uh, the question is just if they replace Basuma in the time that they still have left. But as you said, he is a, a really top midfielder, uh, a player that you know, is going to compete for a starting role immediately at Tottenham Hotspur, a Champions League club. So that just speaks to the quality he has. Uh, don't know anything about NCSO. Um, impressive that they were scouting so heavily in the Paraguayan League. But uh, yeah, just based on like, you know, fitting round pegs and round holes, you now have a, a hole in center defensive midfield and don't necessarily have a player at that quality to replace him. So we'll see if Brighton can can yeah work magic as you said yep as they always do who's next as they always do indeed chelsea going back to london for this one uh a lot of big ticket names have moved in and out of Stamford bridge this summer uh sterling from manchester city and koulibaly from napoli koulibaly a guy who's been linked with a move to england for what seems like 15 years now finally <laughs> making that move now that being said, uh, as I said, significant moves out as well. Andreas Christensen to Barcelona, Antonio Rudiger to Real Madrid, and Lukaku back to Inter Milan on alone. Also rumors of Marcus Alonso might be moving uh, and a number of other players. Uh, Broja, the player who was on loan to Southampton last year, might be moving as well. Uh, and so this was kind of a tough one for me, Adam. I, I went back and forth with my grade and I am going to give Chelsea a B minus. I think that the quality of players that they brought in is undeniable. Sterling is still one of the best wingers in the Premier League. Koulibaly, you know, based on his reputation and what he's done in Napoli is a top center back. But 
simply put, kind of similar to Brighton. They've lost two uh, center backs and two starting center backs, and they've brought in one. And I think that could be a pretty big problem for them. So, yeah, to be minus. Yeah, I think um, actually I was exactly on the same page with you. The only other thing I'd add, I, I give a B minus as well. The only thing I'd add is I feel like they've replaced players with an aging player. Koulibaly is 31 years old. You're not that far from the mark. He's been linked for 15 years because that would put him yeah. at 16 when the rumors started. Um, so he's been around the block a while. You've got him. You've got Thiago Silva, who must be in his late 30s now. He's certainly north of 35. So I just think they're an aging defense. I think they'll struggle to compete with some of the pace they have back there. I think having a bit more youth in center of defense would probably be good. I think they've got the kind of wingback positions figured out in Reese James. And then, oh, Lord, help me out here. Ben Chilwell coming back. From there you go. Chilwell on the left-hand side, exactly. So there you go. Their two, they're two wingbacks, I think, are, are solid and younger. Um, but I think they'll struggle a little bit for pace in, in the center back position. So... For me, B minus right now. If they bring in another quality younger center back, I can see that grade going up considerably too. Definitely, 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 definitely. Who who are we on to next? All right, it's your beloved Crystal Palace, Zach. Um, I feel like it's you should team. actually start on this one. Go ahead. Let's let's hear your review first, as this is your new favorite team. These are my boys. Yeah, uh, Crystal Palace uh, incoming transfers: Sam Johnston on a free from West. Brom and Chi Takore from Lens, another player that has been heavily linked with a number of Premier League teams for quite some time. Uh, no players leaving of note. Technically, I will say Connor Gallagher was always on a loan to Palace for the last season going back to Chelsea. Um, that certainly must feel like a, a kind of a, an outgoing transfer based on the impact that he had largely in the first half of the season. He kind of fell off a little bit in the second half, but was still fairly influential. Um, this was a tough one for me because I think that Vieira has done a really good job at the club, surprised a lot of people. Um, I, I look at them as a B. I, I would have liked to see a little more attacking uh, depth brought in there, especially losing Gallagher. Um, that being said, I think that where Crystal Palace is kind of focusing on right now is you know, continuing to groom those young players that they've brought up through their academy, brought up through uh, getting from championship clubs, Eze, Elise, players that showed a lot of potential last year. And then obviously Zaha will always be the talisman there. So a B, I, I definitely think they could have made more moves, but I think they maybe weren't horribly focused on, on the transfer window. Yeah, I gave them a B as well. And I think one of the other things I'd add here is the fact that they retained a lot of that young talent. Mark Gahey is another player. Um, who yeah. got his first England cap last season at the center of defense, you know, being able to retain those stars, including Zaha, I think was a big thing for Palace during this window. So still a month ago, obviously, but I feel good that, you know, they're buying into what Patrick Vieira is selling there um, and that they can continue to progress as the windows kind of move forward here. All right. Uh, next up, interesting one, Everton Football Club. Uh, quite the season last season for Everton and their fans. Uh, kept them really on the edge of their seats until the very last minute. And the business they've done has been quite curious so far. James Tarkovsky uh, from Burnley, somebody that was very heavily linked with Newcastle on a free, good bit of transfer business there. And then Dwight McNeil from Burnley for an undisclosed amount. So really raiding Burnley, as most teams are doing this, this summer, with their two signings. A big outgoing transfer, though, Richarlison to Spurs, uh, for 60 million. So big transfer fee coming in there. 
lots of talk about Everton needing to turn a profit in this window, not really being able to afford uh, any large transfer fees. So Lampard will have to do his best with that. And Gilfie Sigerson, uh, not really in the team recently, but a good servant to Everton. I thought he was worthwhile mentioning in terms of his um, exit from the club as well. I gave them a CZAC. I feel like they're weaker all round from those moves. Uh, McNeil had a horrible season last season, so I'm curious to see what they what they figure out there. And they haven't found a way to replace Richarlison's goals with those incoming signings either. Uh, so it remains to be seen how DCL will do this year if they hold on to him. But I think they, they certainly need some more goals in that team. I don't think McNeil is the person to give them to him. Yeah, I agree with you. C minus, but very similar line of thought. Uh, Tarkovsky is Tarkovsky is a good signing. Their defense was really weak last season. I think that Michael Keane needs replacing pretty much immediately. And I agree with you. McNeil is not nearly you know that level of kind of he doesn't have the ceiling that Richarlison has. Uh, and as you alluded to, they're heavily banking on DCL to put up what might be his first you know, fully healthy season since breaking into the Premier League. Uh, unfortunately, a player who just cannot stay fit. Uh, and yeah, the goals are, are going to kind of right go, go right through him. I will say in terms of, you know, rumors, uh, there was a rumor again tonight that Adrisa Gay might be in advanced talks to be making a return from Paris Saint-Germain back to Everton. I think if that deal gets done, I might bump it up to B minus B. He is a player that you know, for a long period of last year was starting in week in and week out for Paris Saint-Germain and would be a pretty heavy uh, coup for, for Everton to snag. I hadn't heard of that one. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I think they need it. I think that they certainly are going to need a little bit more help there. But yeah, um, for me, Everton are in trouble again if they don't if they don't have a bit more investment here before the window ends. Yep, I agree with that. Okay, another newly promoted club, Fulham, is up next. Uh, incoming transfers, uh, Jao Polina from Sporting Lisbon, uh, Andreas Pereira from Manchester United, and former Newcastle legend Kevin Mbabu from Wolfsburg coming in. Their only major outgoing transfer, Fabio Carvajal, to Liverpool for an undisclosed uh, sum. Fulham, I'm giving a little bit more benefit of the doubt. I'm giving them a B on this one. I do like the incoming transfers. You do have a player in Pereira who has Premier League experience, albeit somewhat inconsistent. And Babu with a lot of Champions League experience from when he was playing in Switzerland and then uh, experience in Germany with Wolfsburg. And then Polinia from Sporting has been another player who's played in a top league. So uh, I think it's a B. I think they are heavily relying on Mitrovic to finally prove that he can do it in the Premier League, especially after shattering the championship goal scoring record last season. Yeah, I think um, similar feedback for me. Uh, I give them a B. I think the Carvalho exit to Liverpool was inevitable. That had been talked about for a very long time. I still think they need more firepower. I mean, just to put this <laughs> put this into context, the last time Fulham got relegated from the Premier League, their two main strikers were Bobby de Cordova Reed and Alexander Mitrovic. This season, their two main strikers are Bobby de Cordova Reed and Alexander Mitrovic, right? So remains to be seen if they've learned anything from their last foray in the Premier League. Um, I see them struggling again, though. Uh, they're, they're strengthening in midfield and they're strengthening in defense. I think that's smart because they were shipping goals like crazy, especially when they started their first, uh, their last season back um, in the Premier League. So makes sense, but I think you gotta you got to add a little bit more firepower up top there as well. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> certainly can be said. 
Yep. All right. On to Leeds, who I assumed would be your new team, Zach, um, given all of the Americans that are now playing for them. But alas, no. Good point. Yep. Very good um, point. So players in Tyler Adams from RB Leipzig for 20 million. Brendan Aronson from RB Salzburg. They've been raiding the RBs here for 24.7 million. Another RB, Rasmus Christensen from RB Salzburg. Mark Roca from Bayern Munich for 10 million. And then Luis Sinistera, who's a really good quality signing there from Feyenoord for 25.4 million. So looking at those incoming transfers, roughly, I'd say 85 to 90 million spent on incoming transfers and then two high profile exits from Leeds this summer, Rafinha to Barcelona for 55 million and Calvin Phillips to Manchester City for 50 million. So Leeds certainly getting banged for their buck with those two players, being able to bring in and strengthen the squad a lot more um, with the amount of players that they're bringing in for lower transfer fees. I give them a C here. I think we've got Aronson being a nice Rafinha replacement, but still no center back or center forward signings for Leeds. They shipped a ton of goals last season and they struggled with Bamford lacking match fitness. They're still light in both areas. So I think they've invested a lot of money in players and they've brought some good numbers in, but I don't think necessarily they've been in the right way, in the right areas, save for Aronson, who I think will be a one to watch this season. Yeah, it, it is a tough one for Leeds because I, I agree with you. Like I like all of their signings and I think that, you know, they brought in quality. They kept, they essentially kind of did what um, Villa did, I, I guess, last summer, you know, take the 100 mil that they were getting for, in, in Leeds' case, two players and say, okay, rather than trying to replace that one player who, or two players, we're going to tr- pretty much do an overhaul with those funds. Villa not super successful it seemed at first with you know the players that they got uh, with the Grealish money but I, I I think the leads I'm giving them a B here they you're right like the the issue is that they're relying on Bamford another guy who seems like he can't really stay healthy I know a lot of people are tabbing um uh why am I forgetting his name uh, the striker on Leeds, who is named, um, I apologize, I'm I'm blanking out here. A young English player. Um, oh, uh, Gelhart. Gelhart and uh, Greenwood. Excuse me, that hmm. took me quite a long time. Sam Greenwood is the player uh, of okay. whom I was thinking. So yeah, they're they're banking on a few goals from from those new forwards. And then from the midfield, I mean, pretty much buying entirely midfields plus Christensen with that money. So it's a B for me, like the individuals, wondering how they can all fit into the team. Yep, makes a lot of sense. I think um, I think you were a little bit nicer to them than I was, but it remains to be seen what they do with the rest of the window. That is true. Um, this one will be fairly quick. Leicester is the only team in the Premier League who has yet to buy a player. And technically, at the moment, no outgoing players. However, another rumor that I heard literally right before hopping on the podcast, one of the biggest shockers is apparently Casper Schmeichel may be on his way out going to Nice this summer discussing uh, a deal with them. That would be a massive loss for Leicester. Uh, really, the I'd say behind Vardy, you know, the face of Leicester Football Club is Casper Schmeichel. He's been there 11 seasons now, I believe. Um, so I'm going to say a C. I think that they certainly had areas that they could improve. I I know that they're relying a lot on health. They had injury, horror injury after horror injury last season. But 
especially if you, if you're going to lose Michael, I I think that you're you're going to sit somewhere around a C. Yep, same same grade for me. And the only thing I'd add there is that I heard that rumor too. The other rumor being thrown around is Madison. Um, official bids are coming in from Newcastle for James Madison. They may Newcastle use um, Dubrovka as a kind of like uh, a pawn in that move to see if we can actually offer him as part of the, the deal for James Madison um, with them needing a goalkeeper. They said they won't sell Schmeichel until they have a replacement lined up. And obviously Dubrovka with a ton of Premier League experience would hate to lose him from Newcastle. But, you know, that checks the box and it gets James Madison to the tune. And I'm probably okay with that. Yeah, as as you and I discussed offline uh, today, uh, would be an interesting move for Newcastle. Maybe not filling the most, you know, highly uh, biggest area of need, but certainly would improve Newcastle. Getting James Madison, he is a, a top yeah. player. So, an exciting and statement signing it would it would certainly be. All right, on to Liverpool. We've talked a bit about them, so we won't go into too much detail here. Darwin Nunez coming in as we talked about from Benfica for eighty five million. Carvalho from Fulham for an undisclosed fee. On the way out, they really recouped most of the um, the expenses that they had for incoming signings by selling Nico Williams to Forest for 16 million. Origi left on a free to AC Milan, which we've talked about quite a bit prior to the end of last season. Sadio Mane to Bayern Munich for 35 million. And Minamino, who I think we really didn't see the best of, um, a talented player uh, going to Liga, another player exiting the Premier League to Liga on this summer for 15.5 million in Monaco. I give him a B plus. I think Nunez is probably a long-term upgrade on Sadio Mane. Younger, longer-term potential there. Mane's the proven real deal, obviously, but wanted to have a challenge and cut his teeth in another league. He's done everything for Liverpool. Can't um, really deny him that opportunity. I think none of the outgoing players were really consistent starters, except for Mane, when you look at the players that are leaving the club. So I think Nunez and Carvalho coming in is a good bit of business this summer for Liverpool. B plus. Yep, same grade, same line of logic here. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, they have the depth at, at in the attacking positions to, you know, replace Origi and Mane with, you know, players that they bought recently. Jota, Firmino is still there. Nunez coming in. Luis Diaz looked really sharp in his half season for for Liverpool last season. And then you're right, like they have the advantage of having these. Players who will likely start for all their new clubs who are excess, Nico Williams to Forest, Minamino to Monaco. Um, so, yeah, I think that Liverpool just kind of maybe not adding too much, but refining is the word I would use for Liverpool this summer. Yep, I agree. I think they're certainly making the changes they need to to remain relevant and remain in competition with City. Mm-hmm. And on to City, wonderful sequence of alphabetical order here. Um, a lot of big ticket items as well at Manchester City. Erling Holland, as we talked about, coming in from Dortmund. Calvin Phillips from Leeds. Uh, and then outgoing Raheem Sterling to Chelsea. Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal. And Alexander Zinchenko to Arsenal as well. Um, this was an interesting one to me, Adam. I, I think that all three of those players they lost have been you know, important players. But I'm still going to give Manchester City an A-. And it, it's largely on the basis of what I think Holland can do. You know, if, if he is three-quarters of the player that he was in Germany, it doesn't really matter how much they've lost in attack because he is a gold machine. I think that Calvin Phillips, when he's healthy, will be able to really slot in well, maybe in a bit of a rotation with Rodri, with Kevin De Bruyne in that center of midfield. Um, so yeah, it's an A minus for me. And also, you know, they're defending champions. They haven't lost 
too much to make me think that they're going to be that heavily harmed. I actually disagreed with you on this one. I gave Manchester City a B minus for their Ooh, window. Okay. Um, my logic here was I'm not sure where Phillips fits in yet. Um, it remains to be seen if he does a Grealish and you know is ro rotated through the team versus an automatic starter like he was at Leeds, um, whether or not he's actually going to thrive in, in that role. Holland, obviously a monster signing, but on the outgoing side is really where I start to become a bit more critical. It's a tough one, really, because Guardiola admitted in the press he didn't want to sell Sterling, Jesus, or Zinchenko, but all three of them were eager for first-team football and regular starts, um, and they're getting that at their respective teams. Uh, Sterling to Chelsea, Jesus to Arsenal, and Zinchenko to Arsenal. So I think Manchester City have so much depth, but they are in my eyes, a weaker team after these transfers this window than they were prior to it, mostly from a midfield slash attacking standpoint. I think they have the depth to cope with Zinchenko leaving, but I do think he's a super talented player. Give him a B minus sec. Okay, I like it. You may have swayed me. Maybe I'll go down to a B or a B plus there. Um, yeah, it'll be, you're right, a lot of reliance and a lot of reliance on Grealish to now step up and and be a player that essentially has a clear path to starting football uh, with Sterling, Jesus, um, both leaving. You know, he has to prove that he is worth that price tag. So, yeah, that's all fair. Yeah, he needs to put his big boy pants on, does Mr. Grealish. On to the red side of Manchester, Manchester United. Um, obviously a very exciting time for United fans. Eric Ten Hag coming in as manager this close season. Um, they've made a couple signings here. Interesting. Christian Eriksen didn't think he'd go to Manchester United, but he did, um, exiting Brentford and coming in um, to Manchester. Terrell Malasia, don't know a lot about him from Feyenoord for 14.7 player. I do know a lot about Lissandro Martinez rejoining Eric Ten Hag from Ajax for 56.7 million. On the way out, Paul Pogba to Juventus. That is the never-ending drama between Juventus and Manchester United. It just will not quit. Jesse Lingard to Forest. We'll talk more about Forest here shortly uh, on a free. Andres Pereira to Fulham for 10 million. Dean Henderson also to Forest on loan. Edson Cavani and Juan Mata released. I give him a B plus here. Really, mostly off the merit of the Lissandro Martinez signing. I think you know a player who got a lot of shtick last season. Um, was Harry Maguire, and I think that this is a top, top quality signing. Uh, you think about, like, people get as excited from Haaland's standpoint as the, what he can do, the goal-scoring prowess that he has. Martinez, for me, is just as an exciting signing from a defensive standpoint. I think he will be a monumental signing for Manchester United this season. Watch this space. I think the most exciting signing, though, for United was obviously getting Eric Ten Hagen. They've been putting in a really good preseason so far. I think the dressing room is starting to feel a little bit more united, pardon the pun. Um, and I think that B-plus is my my grade for, for Man United this time. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I agree with the B-plus. I like the moves. Uh, the one thing I will add uh, is that I think a, a smart, thing that they, smart thing that they've done is not try to replace every player that is outgoing. I think the, one of the biggest issues were there were just too many players at Manchester United last season, too many guys that probably rightfully were demanding first team football and we're at the quality of, of uh, you know, Premier League football. And I think they needed to cut some of the weight there uh, and have done so in an impressive way. It will be interesting to see how Martinez adapts to the Premier League. Um, 
I think namely because of the reputation of the Premier League as an extremely physical league and with his size at five foot eight, five foot nine center back is something you don't often hear much about. But uh, yeah, he has proven at Ajax that he's a really high talent and smartly enough, Ten Hag is bringing in his guys, right? Like he is bringing in players that he knows well that he's either played against or uh, you know, has played under him and guys that he knows what he can get out of. So uh, I do like the summer they're having, unfortunately, because I don't wish Manchester United any uh, bit of luck or, or positive outcomes. But yeah, it's a B plus as well. Okay. All right. I think I know who's coming up next, Zach. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's Newcastle United, Adam. I'm very interested to see what your thoughts on on our summer so far so uh to recap uh for the tune incoming transfers uh maddie target on a permanent from villa after his loan nick pope from burnley one that probably not a lot of people expected um but uh, the former uh english keep well i guess he's still an english keeper but former contender for the english starting role coming over from burnley uh and then sven botman the player that we were so heavily linked with in January coming over from Lille uh, for 35 million to play center back alongside either Dan Bourne or Fabian Schaar. I don't think anybody really knows right now which of the two it might be. Uh, and then outgoing Kieran Clark to Sheffield United, Isaac Hayden to Norwich on loan, um, Clark also on a loan, Hendrick to Jeff Hendrick to Reading on a loan, Freddie Woodman to Preston on a permanent deal, and Dwight Gale to Stoke on a free. Adam, I'm giving Newcastle a B minus here. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that we've had a great summer uh, in terms of the transfers. I think that the biggest question mark going into the summer for me was attacking depth. I know that we brought Chris Wood for a healthy sum just in January, but not proving necessarily that he is as sure-handed up top as in years past. And right now, nothing else on the attacking side has been brought in, both strikers and wingers. That's another position that I think we could improve. Uh, and then there are still a lot of players at Newcastle that um, kind of are, are those fringe players. Almiron, Frazier, although Frazier had a bit better of a year last year than a lot of people would have expected. So not, I'm, not su I'm, I'm excited for the new year for Newcastle. I think Botman's a top signing, but I don't think we've had a necessarily great window. Yeah, I, I give him a B for those same reasons. I think we're in desperate need of attacking and creative reinforcement still. Um, so same reasoning there. Um, some good servants leaving the club, but it's no it's no coincidence that the players that left Newcastle this summer all went to championship clubs, right? There was a lot yeah. of deadwood there. Um, there was a lot of players that probably whose level is was or is the championship at this stage in, of their careers. So while we say thank you for the service there, I think we know where, what the difference is between our team who has been newly acquired by wealthy owners and more established teams like Liverpool City is they have the talent that they can command outgoing transfer fees um, and not necessarily weaken their squad so much. I think that's where we're at right now is like there's a lot of dead wood that we're clearing out. And as we continue to build the team, we'll have to have that upfront investment to do so. And then I think we'll be able to actually command transfer fees once we have a better youth setup and some more quality signings that come in and more competition for places. So I agree with you. It's a same reasoning, B instead of B minus, but same thought process, I guess. Yeah, and much like Everton, much like, uh, who's the other club that I mentioned in this category, uh, much like Everton and much like, I guess, 
Villa, uh, we are really relying on the striker that we have up top to produce and stay healthy. And uh, much like Everton with uh, DLC, like we have a striker in Callum Wilson who is really quality and really unhealthy a lot of the time. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> we pray that that's not the case this season. It's true. One last stat I'll leave you with for Newcastle, which I thought was quite funny, is Newcastle have a brand new back five since January in Pope, Target on the left, Trippier on the right, Botman and Byrne at center back. If they were to start all those players, transfer fees combined for those five players, still less money than Manchester United paid to Leicester for Harry Maguire. That's good. That's good. Um, Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we can have a, I guess, a later discussion about who should be starting at center back. I want to see Fabian Char. I love Fabian Char. I've loved him for years. Um, I also think having two left-footed center backs isn't necessarily the move, and that would be the case with with Dan Burn. But anyway, that's maybe not necessarily the discussion for right now. No, I, I agree. Maybe a discussion for later down the line, but remains to be seen. I think Botman starts the season. Who does he yeah. start? Next oh, season? definitely is, is, yes. is the question. Absolutely. All right, Onto a team who um, I've been really impressed by their transfer activity so far this summer, Nottingham Forest. Um, their owner has really given them a fighting chance with some of the investment that they've made since the season closed and they went up via the playoffs. So on their way in, Taiwo Anwai from Union Berlin, um, striker there. Musini Akate from Mainz for $17 million. Nico Williams coming in at left back from Liverpool. Excuse me, right back from Liverpool for $17 million. Dean Henderson from Man United on loan for the season. Wayne Hennessy, great journeyman Welsh player on a free. And then perhaps one of the most hot, hot, highly sought after prospects, Jesse Lingard from Manchester United. His, uh, his, uh, excuse me, blanking uh, blanking on my words here a little bit. It's getting late. Uh, but his agent commanding a high transfer fee for him um, uh, in terms of wages and is now the most the single highest paid player in Nottingham Forest history, and it's on more than double than the second highest player at Nottingham Forest. I think he's got about 150000 a week for Jesse Lingard. So owner truly putting his money where his mouth is. The reason they needed to sign two goalkeepers for Henderson and Hennessy was because Bryce Samba left to go to Lens for an undisclosed fee, was really the hero of some of their playoff games last season. So for Forest, gave them an A. I thought they needed to, but they certainly have strengthened all over the pitch in a variety of different positions. And again, I just, I just think they, they've given themselves a chance when most people thought they were going to be fodder for relegation this season. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that logic. I, I, I would say another team that I, I don't know a ton about going into this season, but it's it's like a B plus, A minus for me. I know that uh, Awoni scored I think it was 15 in the in the Bundesliga last season as a young striker that's quite an impressive haul uh Nico Williams is a player with you know a, a lot of potential side note unbelievable I you kind of mentioned this a few minutes ago unbelievable how much money Liverpool gets out of young players who who have not played a lot in the Premier League like yeah like the, it, it is incredible to me how much they're able to get these guys by putting the Liverpool brand on them. That's just something that Noah, my roommate, and I talk about quite a lot. Um, just like it, remarkable how much money they get for these players. Uh, Dean Henderson, you know, a, a Premier League proven keeper. Hennessy, a Premier League proven keeper. Lingard, a Premier League proven player. Uh, so yeah, I, I I really like this and I'm, I'm excited to watch them play. I'm sorry, what, what was your grade for, for Farce? 
it was a I'll, I'll go a minus i'll give them that kind of tech there yeah but both in the a range so so credit to forest there are some some good business this summer tricky trees baby tricky trees they'll be my third team after palace and leeds as is forest um so yeah newcastle un, unmentioned in that list uh southampton <laughs> Next club we're going to list here, uh, got to be honest with you, out of a lot of players that I've never heard of before in this list, incoming transfers, we have Bella Kotchep from uh, VFL Bochum, uh, Romeo Lavia from Manchester City, Joe Rebo from Rangers, Gavin Bazunu from City as well, and then Sekumara from Bordeaux. Outgoing, we have Fraser Forrester going to Spurs on a free, and Shane Long going to Reading on a free. Two Premier League uh, veterans there. Um, I it's tough because I, I again I I know very little about all these players. I know that Joe Rebo scored a worldy of a goal in preseason this past week, um, but I will give them a B simply because they were pretty bad last season so you know bringing in a lot of different players is probably a good move but i don't know enough about these players to really talk too much about them i think therein lies the problem right i gave them a b minus for similar reasons tons of investment i mean 50 million pounds almost invested during this window so far but aside from a repo um it's in potential in potential that they've invested rather than proven players like i know a little bit about a repo just from seeing him play for rangers um good player um, came in there and was there for several years at Rangers, and he did score that worldly, as you mentioned. But it's a bit of a gamble, right? I think you know they've they've certainly kind of like tried to roll the dice on these players in the past. Who am I to question Southampton's quality young signings when you look at like Van Dykes coming in and being sold on for a profit, Sadio Mane coming in and being sold on for a profit? They know what they're doing. I'll, I'll give them that. But I mean, they need players that can make a difference now. Or they're going to be in real trouble and i don't know that i would have necessarily made the investments that they did to the tune of 50 million there might have been better ways they could have spent their money this summer fair enough yeah i agree all right um three teams left so on to uh, team that i think had the best window of any premier league club so far tottenham hotspur um coming in ivan perisic from inter milan on a free forster came in from southampton on a free Eve Bissouma from Brighton for 35 million, Richarlison from Everton for 60 million, Jed Spence, very highly rated player from Middlesbrough coming in for 20 million, and Longley from Barcelona on loan. Um, Conte really working his um, book of references there to be able to bring in some of those high, high, high caliber signings. On the way out, Bergwijn to Ajax, never quite settled, showed glimpses of the quality player that he is, um, headed to Ajax for 26 million. Carter Vickers to Celtic for an undisclosed fee, somebody there was a lot of potential there. And then Jack Clark, Sunderland, splashing out 10 million for a player that's now gonna be plying his trade in the championship, actually scored on his debut yesterday for the Mackham Scum in their 1-1 home draw against Coventry to open the championship season. I gave him an A plus, Zach. Um, for me, significant investment all over the pitch. Daniel Levy putting his money where his mouth is after an underwhelming January transfer William window where Conte was, I think, a little bit vocal in his criticism of how much money he got to spend there. I think Spurs have a chance to certainly surpass Chelsea this season and maybe even push the top two if they can continue with some consistency. Yeah, I 100% agree on all that. I've been really, really impressed with Spurs since their first signing, which was Perisic, um, a really savvy move, a Conte veteran and a guy who 
still uh, well into his thirties is, is a top, top level wing back. Um, it's an A plus for me as well. I think they, they fill the few needs that they have. They cut some of the players that maybe would be a little excess to requirements. Um, and with, I think with Richarlison in particular, you have now an alternative to Son, Kane, and Kulisevsky, um, just for rotational purposes. I don't doubt that any of those players will continue to score and assist many goals in the Champions League or in the Premier League. But Champions League football is back. You need to have depth, and Richarlison is a player that has an immensely high ceiling. Um, so yeah, a, a phenomenal summer so far on paper for for Tottenham Hotspur. And not a peep about Harry Kane wanting to leave the club this summer. And that was all of the talk last summer in the offseason. Obviously, the Man City links were very strong back then. So, I mean, very good chance that he continues and finishes his career with Spurs and smashes that goal-scoring record of Alan Shearer's by the time he ends his career. I very much think so as well. Yeah, definitely. Very, very good summer. And I know my brother and my father and other Tottenham Hotspur fans are, are quite excited to see what they did. All right. Okay, two teams to go. Who's next? All right, West Ham, United, uh, and then we'll finish out with Wolves. West Ham coming off a, a fairly impressive season, just missing out on, on European football at the end of it. Uh, have spent some money. Uh, it's uh, Nayef Aguirre coming in from Rennes for £30 million. Alphonse Areola, the goalkeeper from PSG. Flynn Downs from Swansea coming over from the Wales land. Uh, and then Gianluca Scamacca. Uh, coming over from Genoa, the young Italian striker who has been a very, very highly touted, um, uh, again, young player uh, and has played in both uh, the Serie A as well as the Eredivisie. Um, outgoing, Mark Noble retiring, Mr. West Ham has ended his career. And Andrea Milenko uh, going on a free to Al Ain. Um, after a, a really impressive and emotional final season in European or in English football, giving them a B plus, Adam. I think that they've made some savvy moves. I think that they've held on to you know the the pieces that they've needed to hold on to, namely Declan Rice. That's kind of becoming a summer after summer thing. Is does Declan Rice move? Um, as you know, Pablo Fornals had a really good end to last year, kind of continuing to rely on him. And I'm so high on Skamaka. I've been watching a ton of his highlights. I read a very long profile of his in the Athletic a few weeks ago. Um, and I think that he is going to adapt to the Premier League pretty quickly and probably, and, and certainly is being looked at as the long-term replacement for uh, Mikel Antonio. So it's a, it's a B plus for me for West Ham. Yeah, I give them a B. Um, I, I think, you know, conservative window for them. I think they've continued to do what they normally do and bring in two to three quality players. Nobody really that's necessarily a household name there in that list, but a lot of good potential there. Um, and I don't think they needed to strengthen a ton anyway. I think they have a pretty good quality squad. I like that they made that Skamaka addition uh, in attack because I think that is the one area where they don't always have free-flowing goals coming from the team. They rely a lot on Antonio, and I don't think he's a 20-goal-a-season striker per se. So good area of the pitch to, to strengthen in there for West Ham. Rounding out our 20 teams with Wolverhampton Wanderers, the good old Wolves here, in on a permanent transfer after spending the season on loan there last year, buying He Chan from RB Leipzig for 10 million. Nice pickup for that amount there. Nathan Collins um, coming in. Interesting one, this one for Wolves, the team with the best defensive record outside of the top two last season, spending 20 million on a defender. 
to bring in Nathan Collins from Burnley, who I think is probably the third strongest defender there outside Tarkovsky and me last season. Mm -hmm. And then on the way out, Fabio Silva to Anderlecht. Um, on the loan, Fabio, obviously one of their, I think he may be actually their most expensive signing of all time, struggled a little bit last season um, under pressure with um, the opportunity to start not really setting the world alight there. But again, you know, some players do struggle when they make their move from international clubs to come over to the Premier League. I give them a D here, Zach. I think I don't get I don't get the Collins signing. I don't think they needed it. They didn't. I thought a lot of that would have been if they lost Connor Cody. They didn't. They still have the same defensive players in their team. They still have a great goalkeeper. Um, and they let Fabio go out on loan. So given Huang Hee Chan was there last year, they're actually lighter up top than they were, and they struggled to score a lot of goals in the Premier League. Jimenez didn't light it up last year. Um, I think they'll continue to be a strong, solid defensive team, but they're missing a striker, just like a lot of teams we mentioned today are. Uh, I was pretty harsh here. I gave him a D. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's confusing. It's like just deciding we are going to close up shop every game and and hope that you know our exciting midfielders and our our forward of Jimenez can kind of get back to form. Uh, I went with a C here. I I think that that's largely based on that I still think they'll be a solid team, as you said. And they do have, you know, those attacking players like Net. You have Neves, you have Machinio, you have players that have been linked with like big moves because of their performances for Wolves. Um, so I, I agree. I think like they'll be very hard to break down, probably won't score a ton of goals. Um, and yeah, the Collins move was a, kind of a weird one for me. I think I think already was the highest transfer fee ever for an Irish player and to pay that much at your strongest position. And as you said, not it appears that they're not going to be dealing anybody out from center back is a little odd. Yeah, exactly. I would agree. All right. So so there wraps up our transfer activity of all of our Premier League clubs to date. Uh, we may give a kind of smaller, more brief update, I think, towards the end of the transfer window when we next do our um, our podcast episode here. But in general, um, I think, you know, for me to recap, I think the top two teams in terms of transfer windows so far are Spurs and Nottingham Forest. And then I think the lowest grades that I gave were Bournemouth and then Wolves were my two there. So, Yeah, uh, my, my top two uh, grades were the two North London clubs. I think Spurs and Arsenal both had really impressive summer transfer windows. Uh, my lowest, let's see, uh, Bournemouth, Brighton and Everton were all in the C range. Uh, Leicester as well. Um, yeah, I don't think really any of those teams did anything that were horribly confused. Ah, Wolves, Wolves as well. Yeah, there were a number of teams that didn't do that much. Um, but yeah, we'll be interested to see how accurate we are with, with those predictions. And great segue um, for predictions that are easier to consume and not as wordy with as many players involved. Um, after our commercial break, we will be doing our annual preseason predictions going through uh, what we think will occur in the kind of, I guess, higher realm of the, the Premier League season. So we'll take a quick break. You'll hear some wonderful commercials and we will be right back. And we are back with the second half of the False Nines. This is episode 91 of a occasional footballing podcast. Uh, Premier League preseason predictions. This is going to be a fun one, Adam. It always is. Let's start it off with the biggest prediction of it all. 
who's going to win the league this year. And just for our listeners to know, Zach and I have made our notes separate from each other. So this is the first time we're actually hearing each other's predictions. My prediction, because I am a gambling man, is that Manchester City will retain their championship this season (laughs) and win the Premier League for the 19th straight season. (laughs) God, your bravery will will be known for for years to come. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I I think City retains again this season. I think the Holland signing is a meaningful one. And I just think they know how to get it done in the Premier League. They have great rotation. They have plenty of quality and depth in the squad. Liverpool, of course, will push them hard. I think Spurs will be there or thereabouts, not feeling that boyish or boyish or bullish, I should say, um, on Chelsea this season. Um, so I think there could be some shakeup in the top four there. Um, but I do think that Manchester City will retain. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to go with the the only other kind of not exciting answer, which is Liverpool. Um, coin yeah. flip, really. Coin flip, yeah. really. I think I think the Liverpool added that depth. They've they've kind of you know again, as I said before, refined a little bit. And honestly, like it's as you said, if you're a gambling man, you can kind of close your eyes and pick Manchester City or Liverpool. Uh, but yeah, I think that Liverpool will will take it. Okay. All right, what's our next category? Bottom three, Adam, bottom three. Right. Um, I am going to go with Bournemouth. Yes. With with Fulham, because why not? Okay. And I said this to you before we started recording. If I pick them enough times, it'll eventually happen. Southampton finally goes down this season. Southampton, Fulham, and Bournemouth, my bottom three. This is perfect. On to the next category as those were all of my predictions as <laughs> No, <well>. really? <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Same, lo- same logic on Southampton. Uh, if I wish it hard enough, eventually it'll come true. Um, I don't want them to go down, but uh, I think it will happen. And then, yeah, Bournemouth and Fulham, uh, I don't think they survived. So that was an easy one. I like that both of us are predicting that Nottingham Forest stay up. Why not? Right? Like they're 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 the team I think everyone wants to stay at. They're the one non-yo-yo club that got promoted. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Next category, Zach. Newcastle's finishing position. Where will Newcastle end the Premier League season place-wise? Yeah, I thought about this one long and hard. Uh, I I went with ninth. I think that we do get that top half finish that a lot of people are asking for. I think top half is kind of where most Newcastle fans will say, you know, they are both expecting and hoping for. People that are maybe a little more optimistic will say that we should be competing for Europe. I think there are a lot of good teams in the Premier League, and I think that pretty much all the teams above us have improved um, in this summer as well. So I'll go Newcastle finishing ninth. I'm on the how train, Zach. I'm going for sixth. I'm saying that Newcastle finishes top six next season. I think we've still got some signings in us in this transfer window. And Eddie Howe has proven that he can do the business. And I think we'll be a much more solid and organized and disciplined outfit um, with all of the preseason that they've put in through Eddie Howe. I think it pays dividends. Newcastle qualifies for Europe next season. Sixth place. I love that. That's wild. That would be crazy. And yeah, I mean, yeah, certain contingencies, Wilson staying healthy, I think would need to happen if we don't bring in another striker. Um, ASM has to put up a whole season. Botman has to be as incredible as, not as solid as people would think, but 
I did forget Chris Wood. You've reminded me a couple of times now through the chat. Chris Wood will have to come on for some for some uh, super sub minutes, but yeah, love it. All right, next topic then. And next category is EPL Manager of the Season. Obviously, this is a tough one to bet against anybody that is not named Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. But <laughs> I went with somebody who we've obviously been singing the praises of during this podcast based on their transfer activity, Antonio Conte. I think there's a fairly good chance that he overperforms this season relative to what the expectations might be for Spurs. Great chance of some silverware via a cup. And I think that he will be in and around the competition and around the shout for manager of the season come the end of the season. Yeah, same answer there for me. I think that either Spurs, I think Spurs could get second behind Liverpool. I, I could see them winning, finally winning, you know, the FA Cup or the League Cup. Yeah, I, I think that Conte is both the right man for the job and, and somebody that will will take home his own personal hardware. Awesome. What's up next? First manager sacked. I assume that we're both going to pick a team that we have in our bottom three. Um, I went with Bournemouth, Scott Parker. Uh, just I don't know much about really what Bournemouth improved on this summer. I do love Scott Parker, but. I think he he is my but we we've seen in recent years that Bourne there's the other thing we've seen in recent years that Bournemouth is not afraid of pulling the trigger on managers so I think it is him. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, realistically, they they had Eddie Howe and then he left by mutual consent, and then they've had Scott Parker ever since. So I don't know that that's necessarily a true statement. My answer, um, just purely based on the fact that he has been the first manager sacked before, is Marco Silva from Fulham. Um, previously with Watford, um, first manager sacked there. Um, so I think that he will be, Fulham will be down towards the depths of the league fairly quickly, and I think Silva will be the first casualty on that list. Maybe I was mixing that up in terms of frequency of sacking managers, Fulham and uh, Fulham, Fulham and, and Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. That is that is where I made my mistake. So yeah, fair enough. All right, on to top scorer. Um, reminder, Mo Salah and Hyungmin Son shared this honor last season. Who do you see being our top scorer this season, Zach? It's, it's coming back home to Harry Kane in my mind. I think he, mm. he gets that golden boot that he held for a number of years. I think adding Richarlison, adding more in midfield and more delivery from Perisic uh, just continues to help Harry Kane. And he's a player who is quite good at staying healthy. Um, he he started off i i think it was like a rut of four or five matches um without a goal he's crowned this reputation of not being able to score in august but i think he probably breaks that duck this year and yeah i think kane will take it yep um i i like that shout i actually didn't go for harry kane i did pick him last season but did not pick him this season for that same reason i think there's actually going to be more goals shared around at spurs next season and i think that as a result harry kane's tally of goals will be a little bit less than it was last season. So um, I, I just think with the contract situation sorted out and a new lease of life there with some new other top quality players in and around him, I think Mo Salah takes it home again. I think you'd be a fool not to bet um, or fool to bet against Mo Salah at this stage in his career. He's proven he can do it many, many times before. And they said his combined goals and assists tally last season was the second highest ever in his Liverpool career behind his 2017-2018 tally. So, I mean, the dude's playing well, right? He had his critics towards the back end of last season, but tough to bet against Mo Salah here. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I'm, it's interesting to me that you didn't use the same logic of 
you know, more people to score goals now that Darwin Nunez has come in, the 80 million pound man. But I, I see your logic. Like Salah is, in some people's opinion, the greatest goal scorer uh, in pure goal scorer in Premier League history. So it's tough to bet against him. Yep. Speaking of quality players, Premier League player of the season, who did you go for, Zach? I kind of a layup here. I just went with the top scorer. I'm going to go with Harry Kane as well because I think he leads the season, leads the league in goals, and also has a shit ton of assists uh, because that is what he has proven he can do. Okay, I went with Kevin De Bruyne. I think that the connection with Holland will come good, and I think that we'll see an uptick in assists from KDB. Probably less goals because I think they won't be deploying him as a center forward like they did several times last season won't be putting that pressure on him, but they'll allow him to get back to his creative roots. And I see him being an assist machine this season. KDB for me. I like that. Yeah. And it's a little boring that a lot of the ones that we're saying are people who have won these awards before, but again, like these are world-class players for a reason. So yeah, mm -hmm. Kane, Kane, De Bruyne, Salah, like <laughs> there's a reason that they're always going to be in our predictions because they never dip in form really. Yep. Absolutely. All right. What's our next category, sir? Okay, last two, EPL Young Player of the Season. As a reminder, this is a player who has to be 23 years or younger when the season begins. Uh, Adam, not going to say Phil Foden because this is – all right, first of all, this is a stupid award because you shouldn't be able to win it multiple times. That's the, the first thing. I don't understand why you can win Young Player of the Season a, a number of times. Also love the idea that somebody mentioned – I forget who it was at the end of last season that there should be an award for debut season. Um, so for somebody's first year in the Premier League, totally agree with that. Uh, but for this one, I will go with somebody who fulfills all those qualifications. Uh, a new player to the Premier League does not want it before. Go with Darwin Nunez. I think he does slot in at Liverpool. I think he has a, a quite good season. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think he takes home the award. How old is Dar Darwin Nunez? He is 23 years old. He just turned he 23. Is. Okay, yeah. well, I'll go on the other side of the top two then, and I will pick Erling Haaland, who is 22 years of age yeah. um, and is also eligible for it. I think Mr. Phil Foden has a little bit of competition this season for the title that he has won the last two years. Uh, yeah, ha Haaland for me. Yeah, again, makes sense. I, I, much like who's going to win the league, I think that one was kind of the equal yeah. coin flip. Yep, exactly, exactly. All right, so last last category here. I'll let you go first. Um, this is a new category that we haven't really kind of dived into before on the False Nines. We're picking our the False Nines player to watch for the season. Who's the player that might have flown under the radar a little bit that you are excited to predict is going to have a barnstormer of a season for your newly formed fantasy football team? <laughs> Ooh, for my fantasy football team. So he's actually not on my fantasy football team at the moment. Although since initially making my account a week ago, I've changed my team about 20 times. And he was at one point on that team. Uh, but it's a player I talked about quite a bit before. Gianluca Scamacca. I'm really excited to see him in the Premier League for West Ham. I think West Ham play a really exciting brand of football. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, I think he's a top level talent a predatory physical young tall striker like very much in the holland mold um so i think he will do well and, and not take long to adapt to the premier league um and maybe he will be back in my fantasy premier league team we'll we'll see what happens i like that i like that you've been you've been very loyal to him throughout the uh throughout the podcast today so good for you 
Oh, yeah. What about you? Speaking of loyal, obviously I had to go with a Welsh player here for this one. Yeah. I picked a player I'm really, really excited who is in my fantasy football team already, Zach, and that is Brennan Johnson for Nottingham Forest. Championship Ooh, okay. young, young, young player of the season in the championship last year. 46 appearances for Forest, 16 goals and nine assists in the regular season. Um, for, if you're not familiar with him, he plays somewhat as a kind of right-footed striker, sometimes on the wing in a front three, sometimes as a second striker on the right-hand side of a front two. Um, and he's just an awesome player, full of pace, really difficult to play against, has got two goals in, I think, 12 caps, most of those off the bench for Wales, and he's still only 21 years old. Um, maybe somebody I think is going to light it up in the Premier League this season. Had Forrest not gone up, I think he would have been somebody that would have been snapped up in a heartbeat by a Premier League team. And I think that he actually gets to start and play a lot of games for Forrest this season. So super excited to watch him. Somebody to watch, somebody to add to your fantasy roster, Brennan Johnson of Cumberley. All right. Very good. My other one was going to be Brendan Aronson um, because I've watched him a lot on the U.S. national team. And I think if Leeds can have a striker who can stay healthy, I think he'll play really well on the wing uh, with that striker. And I want him to do well because I want the U.S. to do well in the World Cup. So I want him to be in a good run of form. Lots of good quality young players for the U.S. And I think, yeah, we talked about this before the podcast happened. Wales with a lot of players who have made moves to guarantee themselves first-team football ahead of the World Cup, including obviously Gareth Bale to LAFC. We saw Aaron Ramsey get released by Juventus and signed for Nice today, so moved to Ligue 1 for the first time in his career. We've seen Joe Roden go to Rennes. We've seen yep. Nico Williams go to Forest. So great to see these players coming in and getting minutes versus sitting on the bench for their respective teams. Harry Wilson making the move up into the Premier League for Fulham. We've got Kiefer Moore doing the same thing for Bournemouth. Times are, It's a fucking exciting time to be a, a Wales football fan, my friend. And I cannot wait to spank the Americans in the first game of the World Cup. It's going to be glorious. Oh, that is... <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Gareth, Gareth, Gareth Bale at that point will be will be fat on an American diet. He won't be able to play on the wing for you. So there's no way you, it's happening. You, I, I, I would go as far as saying that the United States has never had a player in their history the caliber of Gareth, Gareth Bale. Yeah, that's okay. That's fair. <laughs> that's I won't argue with that. I mean, the guy's like a four-time Champions League winner. So that's, yeah, okay. I can I can take that one pretty easily. Might even throw in Aaron Ramsey there and say that he's probably better than any other American player that's ever played either. Mm. Yeah, probably. There haven't been a lot of good Americans. Like right now is the golden era. This is like mm -hmm. when this is when guys are breaking through. Um, I think maybe speaking of an easy connect to Ramsey. I think Weston McKinney is on a good track right now with, with Juventus playing alongside Ramsey or has played alongside Ramsey. But yeah, I saw rumors right. that he, he might be on the outs at Juventus though recently. I saw some transfer rumors. Is that, is that a lot of, a lot of, it's been a weird journey for him on Juventus from like co breaking COVID protocols to kind of getting blocked out of the team. He's still only 23 years old, which is unbelievable. Weston McKinney has been like in top leagues in Europe for four years now uh and he scored that worldy in the champions league for juventus a couple of years ago if you remember that mm -hmm. but yep. yeah yeah 
We'll see. Very well. We'll see what happens. Syria is kind of a mess at the moment. Nobody has money, so it wouldn't surprise me if they sold them. Yep. All right. Well, let's take it home, Zach. Let's close out the pod today with ten and ninety, as always. Why don't Why don't you go first, and I'll close us out with your beloved hypotheticals. We're going all hypotheticals today. It has to be a hypothetical night. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of the Premier League season. There's no. There's no like theme or statistics to talk about right now. So um, I will. Yeah, I'll start it out. Actually, do you want to? Maybe we mix it up. Maybe we switch off question after question. What do you think? Okay, let's do it. That's for a first for the false nines. I like that. Never been done before. Okay, hypothetical number one uh, for me, Adam. Who is Newcastle's top scorer this year? It's Callum Wilson. Yeah. Yep. I think Callum Wilson has shown that he's touch wood, um, trying to get the other side of his fitness problems. He's looking sharp. He's looking like he's put on a lot of muscle as well. Looks like he's super strong on the ball, and he's a natural-born finisher. I think Callum Wilson, even if he only plays two-thirds of the season, is still easily our top scorer this season. How many do you think he ends with? 15. I like that. Yeah, I was thinking around that as well. That's solid. I don't think he hits 20, um, but I think he easily hits 10 this season. Okay, good. Your turn. All right. Who will score the most goals in the Premier League this season out of these three players? Okay. Brennan Johnson. Daniel James or Harry Wilson? Something similar about these three players. I wonder what it is. I'm trying to put my finger on it. Um, I don't know. Who will get the most playing time? I guess Daniel Johnson will get the most playing time. Um, Or is he Brendan Johnson? I think he would get the most playing time. I don't think. think Most likely. Yeah, I think I, I think, think Harry Wilson's a guaranteed starter for Fulham. I don't know that Daniel James will be a guaranteed starter for for Leeds, but I think he'll play most. That's what games. I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I think I think Daniel James could in he could potentially get the least time out of all three of those players. Um, Agree. Yeah, Agreed. I will go. I will go for. Uh, I'll go for for. Uh, I'll go for Brendan Johnson. You get you you convince me with your with your uh, your big your big campaign for him. So I like that. Let's, let's go with him. That is my pick as well. So yeah, we'll go for Brandon Johnson. I do think that Harry Wilson scores a lot of free kick goals as well. So I think there's a chance yeah. that he, he contributes a decent amount for Fulham and he's done it previously in the Premier League. So we'll see, but yeah, uh, Brandon Johnson would be my pick too. Good, good stuff. Um, question number two for me, uh, how many games does it take Alexander Mitrovic to get his first straight red card? <laughs> I think that Mitro has matured a lot. So I'm going to say in game two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he gets into double digits, maybe somewhere 15 to 20 games in. I think he gets almost half the season in before he does something stupid. Yeah, that would be that would be a huge W for him. Yeah, I, yep, yep. I, would, I would be impressed for sure. Yep. Me too. All right. Um, who will finish higher in the Premier League this season, Spurs or Chelsea? Spurs, definitely. Okay, agree. Yeah, very much on the Spurs train right now. Um, who will have the most clean sheets in the Premier League? Liverpool. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, the uh, the only reason I picked them over City was because I feel like Diaz has been making some high profile mistakes tail end of last season, and obviously just recently with the uh, the penalty he gave away in the 
charity shield final. So um, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Liverpool there. Yeah, I think that is a good call. Um, yeah, Diaz has made a few mistakes, and he also has had a few injury scares. So you know, yep. we would we would see what happens. That's true. All right. Um, question number three for me. If you could have added Raheem Sterling or Gabriel Jesus to your Newcastle squad this summer, which of the two would you have preferred to have signed and why? Uh, Sterling, because I think the need for an out-and-out winger is greater for Newcastle than the need for a player that is a little amorphous with his positioning. Uh, of he, He's kind of like a right side forward. He's kind of like a winger at times. But I, I think like Raheem Sterling is such a nailed on winger. And that is in, in Newcastle's current like 4 3 3. I think that is what fits more. I would agree with that. Bon- bonus question then who scores more goals this season, Sterling or Jesus? That's that's an interesting one. I think it's Jesus because I think Arsenal will rely on him more. Uh, and I also think that like they will be like, I, I think Arsenal actually has a quite good attack for Jesus to slot in, although he did have like his kind of noted failures at Manchester City as a striker. I think he can kind of play in the similar position, but like not necessarily as the leading the lines number nine with Arsenal as he partially did with City. I also think he's a better player now than he was when he was, you know, starting as a as a forward for uh Manchester City. So yeah, I think it'll be him, and just because there's more competition for Sterling, although he will be one of the first names on the team sheet for Chelsea. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I like that, though. I like that. Um, okay, Here, here's one that I was talking about with my buddy Max a couple days ago, a fellow Newcastle fan. Uh, anyhow, pretty much exclusively deploys 4-3-3 formations with Newcastle. If we were to play a different formation, what would it be? For you because there's one Uh, i have in mind i think and i was actually chatting with somebody online about this today when we were talking about how to slot in madison um and i think it wouldn't surprise me if we had a lone striker with three in behind i think we talked about kind of like a um a four two three one formation yeah with some kind of holding midfielders sitting in front of those those three there and then basically wilson is the lone striker up top and then you'd kind of accommodate um, on the right-hand side, Madison, because Madison typically plays on the right-hand side for Leicester. And then you could put probably Joe Linton, or ASM, sorry, um, and um, who else would you have in there, I guess, in that, in that front three? I guess ASM and, and, and maybe look at Almiron in there, perhaps. And then probably your two sitting behind would be Joe Linton and Bruno. Yeah, yeah. It's tricky because that's that's my concern about Madison is I think he, you know, he is not fulfilling the biggest areas of need for Newcastle. I think, unfortunately, Joe Willick would be the player who would go out if Madison was to come in because Madison can play on the right. He he almost plays as like off the shoulder of a striker sometimes. Like he's, he's that number 10 that's like almost a number nine, you know, in a way, uh, which is, again, like why it would be interesting to see how they fit him into that team. But I would think it would be like, yeah, Bruno and Joe Linton behind him. Um, I I do like the idea of playing five in the back um, with two wingbacks in uh, Trippier and Target, and then having Byrne, Char, and uh, Botman there. Uh, The only issue there is you would probably play like a 5-3-2, and then ASM playing in the middle is something we've 
seen doesn't really work that well. So yeah, I, yeah. I think a, a four two three one is probably the most likely. Yep, agreed. All right, which which Premier League team will be the surprise package of the season and why? Hmm, the surprise package. I I like that one. Uh, I like that one quite a lot, actually. Um, I This is being very hopeful. I'm hoping that it's Leeds. I'm hoping that Leeds kind of do put it together and have that attacking flair of, of Bielsa years, but not with the, like, we're going to ship seven goals and, and win eight to seven every game mentality. Uh, so I, I would like Leeds to get it together. I'm also rooting for um, Jesse Marsh because I'm an American homer, and I think he got a pretty unfair stick from a lot of English pundits for being an American manager uh, and then was able to he, – he, technically, they he came in when they were 16 they ended in 16th, but I think he did a good job of kind of settling the stuff. So I really want them to do well. Yep. yep. Uh, I, I like that one. I like it's a good call. For for me, I think I would go either with Forrest, we talked a lot about today, but I think the one that I will pick is actually going to be Brentford. I think Brentford have yeah. slowly done a good job of um, strengthening their team and continuing to add in the right places. And I can see them, although, you know, they, they I think they were a surprise package at the beginning of last season, fell off a little bit, and then survived pretty comfortably but i could see them finishing mid-table this season i think brentford will have a good year under thomas frank yeah i i love that um i i think and hope that as well what question are we on are we on five i have one i have one i have one left so i think you you might be on your last one here before before the the prodigal six question um yeah okay uh my Last question here, Adam, is uh, how tight do you think the title race is? Does it come down to the final day? No, I think there'll be a couple of games before the end, and I think it's going to be a two-horse race again between City and Liverpool. I don't think it goes down to the final game of the season again. Okay, and then one other thing, actually, that we didn't predict that we usually do is who finishes in the Champions League positions. I think we talked about it a little bit. I think my top four would be City, Liverpool, Spurs and in that fourth place is one that's really tough, but I think Chelsea will just edge it. I think Chelsea will finish right above Arsenal. Yeah, Chelsea or Arsenal, I think, is probably probably what happens. Imagine if like Tiago Silva comes down with an injury early in the year. You're just like, okay, yeah, I guess it's cool Bali and and they're gonna play three three wing backs and just see what happens. Exactly. We'll put Christian Pulisic in, slot him in at center back and see how he does. Yeah, that. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Good All stuff. Right. Okay. My second to last question, I guess, then, but last official question. Who scores more goals this season? Dominic Calvert Lewin or Patrick Bamford? Oh God. <laughs> Who has more intact bones by the end of the season? <laughs> it's um, really more of a health question than anything else. Are you kidding? It's entirely a health question. Yeah. Um that's an interesting one. Because I think like leads on paper as more. They, I think Leeds has more players who can help an attack and get Bamford goals. But I think Calvert-Lewin's a better striker. And neither of them can stay healthy. I like this question a lot, actually. Um, I think it's D, I, I think it's DLC or D, DCL because he is really the guy there where I, Leeds do have other options. And I think they'll rotate Bamford more. So I'll go with Calvert-Lewin. Because I'm going to assume they both are out for the year come like 16 matches in. And so at that point, Calvert-Lewin will probably... he Calvert-Lewin's also probably going to be on penalty duty. 
So I'll go for him. Yeah, I think that you're you're right, and I think there's going to be more on square on his shoulders with Richarlison leaving as well. So I think there'll be a lot more pressure on him to score the goals that keeps him up. I think it's probably his last season at Everton next year, but I think DCL is the right answer to that question. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, and I forgot Chris Wood. Good, good point there as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, uh... Hashtag, hashtag, you forgot Chris Wood. It's going to yeah, be that's, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think that's a good one. Okay, hit me, hit me with my Welsh. Let's do it. All right, pronounce it for me, Zach. Here we go. Can I write it down? No. Go L. Okay, it's a short one at least. So L L O N G. God damn. So simple. Um Schlong. That's it. <laughs> you're right it's long very that's good, good. You're, roll, you're finally rolling your double l's i wanted to see if you learned anything over yeah yeah that's such a weird it's like a breath it's such a breathy noise um, um any idea what it means yeah duh um that means what is what's happening right now that means august uh, no, there's no relation to anything at all. It's a boat. <laughs> That's, it. <laughs> That's good. I was That's looking funny. at methods of transportation, and I'm like, oh, that's a really obscure one that he'll never pick out what it means, but he might have a chance at pronouncing it. So I thought it was good. That's yeah. funny. I like that. That's good. Um, nice. All right. I got a half point there. I'll take it. Yep. I'll give that to you. I mean, you get a full point there. You didn't get the translation. The question is, can you pronounce it, Zach? So you get a full yeah. point there. Yeah. Don't yes. take anything away from yourself, my friend. There was that one time, I guessed the translation, and I don't remember what the word was, but that was an amazing feeling. Um, cool. All right. It's late. We've done our predictions. We've talked about a lot of Premier League things. I'm going to hit the hay, but a, a good first episode of the season. Um, we will be back in a few weeks. I've said this a couple times today, no longer probably a bi-weekly footballing podcast. I think Adam and I have a lot of things going on in our lives. So we're going to kind of cut the cadence down to closer to a monthly podcast. So you can expect us back. Uh, we'll probably be recording in and around the 31st of every 30th, 31st, 28th of every month. Um, Changing up the format a little bit, obviously, we'll not be talking about individual matches as much because there will be a lot that have taken place. But um, yeah, should be fun. So it'll have to wait a bit longer. But uh, yeah, we'll have a, a fun fifth series coming up for you. We certainly will. And until next time, Zach, footy. Footy. Peace. <laughs>